Hey, I am excited to tell you about this month's sponsorship. This month's episodes are sponsored by Crossway, publisher of the English Standard Version of the Bible and a high-end line of heirloom Bibles that are designed to reflect the beauty of God's Word. Each heirloom Bible is skillfully crafted using the highest quality materials and expert craftsmanship. With carefully chosen premium goatskin covers, durable edge lines, smith-sewn binding, beautiful art, gilding, and premium Bible paper chosen for optimal quality, readability, and durability. Learn more at crossway.org. On a personal note, I have one of these Bibles. It actually fell off the top of my car one day and got ran over on the interstate. And it survived. It actually survived. The binding is still good, and I still preach from it every single week. And also, we have a great giveaway going on right now with Crossway. You can jump on Twitter or on theshepherdscrook.co and see it. We are giving away an heirloom Bible, the pastor's book by Kent Hughes, the imperfect pastor by Zach Eswine, the pastor's justification by Jared C. Wilson, and nine marks of a healthy church by Mark Dever. Look online and sign up today. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. The Shepherd's Crook exists to provide care, counsel, and resources for pastors. You can get more information at theshepherdscrook.co. My name is Jared Sparks, and I'm a pastor coming alongside other pastors, reminding them of the chief pastor. Welcome to the Shepherd's Crook Podcast. Today I come to you with a heavy heart. I want to talk to you about abortion and the abortion bill that's just been proposed in the state of Illinois, HB 2495. It was introduced by Representative Kelly Cassidy, and I just need to pray and ask for the Lord's help, and then I want to read the bill, uh, read a few uh, comments about the bill from from an article from IllinoisBaptist.org, and then say a few comments, and then give five things that we can do in response to this bill. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, I need your help. Pray for every single listener that you would help them understand rightly the situation that we're in in the state of Illinois. Help me be concise, biblically faithful. Help me to be encouraging and help me to give some good news in this because there's so much bad news as we read this bill. Help help us to think rightly on this topic. I trust God that you're going to help. In Jesus' name, amen. Recently, Republican Kelly Cassidy proposed a bill, and here's what it is. Provides that every individual has a fundamental right to make autonomous decisions about one's own reproductive health. Provides that every individual who becomes pregnant has a fundamental right to continue the pregnancy and give birth or to have an abortion and to make autonomous decisions about how to exercise that right. Provides that a fertilized egg, embryo, or fetus does not have independent rights under the law of this state. That's crucial right there. It continues. Provides prohibited state actions. Provides that a party aggrieved by a violation of the act may bring a civil lawsuit. Provides that a health care professional shall report each abortion performed by the Department of Public Health. I want to read further assessment of this bill by this uh, IllinoisBaptist.org article. I'll link to this in the show notes so you can read this. I'll also link to the bill so you can also see it. And here's what this article uh, states as it's reading through the what, what this bill would create in our state. It would create a fundamental right to abortion with no restrictions for any reason throughout nine months of pregnancy. No restrictions for any reason throughout nine months of pregnancy. It would further allow non-physicians to do surgical Abortions. Non-physicians will be able to do surgical abortions. Consider that. A non-physician can be able to do this. 
It would mandate mandate all private health insurance plans to cover abortion without any restrictions, co-pays, or cost-sharing of any kind. This would mean that two, three, four abortions a year, no barriers to sex-selective abortions. It would mandate that all private insurance plans cover abortions without any restrictions, co-pays, or cost-sharing of any kind. It would repeal the Abortion Performance Refusal Act, and it would change the term pregnant woman to pregnant individual. Because in the state of Illinois, it's not a one-to-one that it's only a woman that can be pregnant. It's just wild. This bill clearly is a wicked, wicked bill. It hinges on this idea that what they call fetuses in the womb have no rights in this state. A fertilized egg, embryo, or fetus does not have independent rights under the law of this state. So quickly, I want to share with you from Luke chapter 1 what the Bible says is in the womb. What is in the womb? Is this a baby or is it just a fetus? Because ultimately in this state, the mother's rights trump the rights of children. But I want us to see in the in the Bible how God shows us that the whatever is in this womb is in fact a baby. It's not just a fetus and we all know this. We just suppress the truth. This is Romans 1. We'll get there in a second. But in Luke chapter 1 verses 41 through 45, it says this. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby, baby, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why has it been granted to me that the mother of the Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Two times we're told that the baby in the womb leaped for joy. God's assessment, declaration about what is in the womb is, in fact, a baby. Now, that same Greek word that's translated baby is used again in chapter 2, verse 12. And here's what chapter 2, verse 12 says. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Baby in the womb, baby laying in a manger. And the fact is, is that everybody knows. I mean, common sense is, is, we all know, I I think, that common sense is neglected in our day in a culture of experts. Common sense people are just kind of thrown out the window. The exceptions make the rules, unfortunately. And so common sense, just what we generally know to be true by intuition, by anecdotal evidence, by just the way things are. But we all know this is a baby in the womb. Everybody knows this. Romans chapter 1 tells us the reason why we reject it, tells us why legislators, it tells us why people in the state who are pro-abortion don't see it for how vile and wicked it actually is. Romans 1 tells us this, the wrath of God is revealed against heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. This bill that Representative Cassidy has introduced is a wicked and vile bill. And Whether Representative Cassidy knows this or not, she and anybody else who would vote for this bill, one day they will stand before God. They're going to give an account for this. They're going to give an account for their decisions that they make. And they need to know this. And so I want to give five big things that we can do as pastors or as lay people that can address the situation. What can we do? This bill, we live in a liberal state. What can we do in Illinois for those out there who believe that the Bible, whether you're Republican or Democrat or Independent, it doesn't matter. If you believe the Bible, you believe what's in the womb is a baby, that we have to fight for the vulnerable, that we have to speak for the unborn, that we have to do something. So what can we do? I want to propose five things that we can do, and I want you to listen to these things and consider them deeply, and then 
if, if you think of other things, that's great. You can write me or, or, or just do those things on your own. But I want to propose five things that we can do to come against this bill and to fight for the truth and to fight for the unborn. Five things. Number one, we can have a fierce commitment to the gospel of Jesus. That's what we have to be about. Proclaiming the gospel of Jesus. Preachers preach it on Sunday morning every single week. Parishioners go out with it every single week into their jobs, into their school, wherever they go, into their homes, and we bring the gospel everywhere with us. The good news, the announcement that Jesus Christ came to save sinners. He lived a perfect life, died on the cross as a substitute sacrifice, and came back to came back alive, defeating Satan's sin and death. And we have to proclaim that news, that spiritually dead people can come alive and when people who are spiritually dead come alive, there's a perspective change. The suppression of the truth is broken. And the truth begins to be seen for what it is. True, it's plain, it's clear before us. But we have suppressed it. So dead people, spiritually dead people, need to be made alive. And so when we preach the gospel faithfully, when we preach it, things change. By the grace of God, people's lives are changed. And that's the number one way to fight this. The sin of abortion in this state is a commitment to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number two, we have to confront the sin of our state representatives and leaders. We have to do this. We have to hold legislators accountable for the decisions that they make. The earth, after all, it is the Lord's, the fullness thereof. Jesus owns this place. He bought it. He bought it with his blood. This, the dirt outside your house is the Lord's. The state representatives have been placed in their positions by God, and yet because they've been put there by God, does not give them the, or the freedom to violate God. They will be held responsible for these things. Uh, John the Baptist knew this. We don't know this very much in our state, especially my generation anymore, that we are called to hold our leaders accountable, even leaders who don't claim to be Christians or don't claim that the Bible is their authority. In Matthew chapter 14, uh, starting in verse 4, now let's start in verse 3, uh, John the Baptist confronts Herod because of Herod's sin. Herod was violating God's law, and so John the Baptist confronted him. And here's what he said. For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because John had been saying to him, it's not lawful for you to have her. It's not lawful for you to have her. Here is John confronting a ruler in Rome and telling this ruler in Rome that he is in sin, that he's violating God's law. Adultery is never okay. And John the Baptist confronts him and it gets him in trouble. We are responsible today to hold our state representatives accountable to God's word. And if they are making decisions that violate God's word, that kill babies in the womb, then we have to tell them. We have to tell them. It's our responsibility. Number three, we're called to pray. 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 tells this clearly, that we are to pray for those who are in leadership. First of all, then, I urge that supplication, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Clearly, we are called to pray for our leaders. So do this in your morning devotionals, when you're driving to work. This is this verse is challenging to me because there's so often it's, it's, it's just easier to complain than to pray. But what if every time we thought to complain about leaders or politics or whatever it may be, what if every time instead of complaining, we turn that impulse into uh, that, that desire there to complain or to whine, what if we turn that into prayer? I, I tell you, I think we would pray quite a bit because I, I complain a lot. And if I prayed instead of complaining, I would be praying so much more. And I want to challenge you to do that. First Timothy calls us to. Number four, we can protest. 
Now, protesting needs to be done civilly. This next Wednesday, March the 20th, there's going to be a March for Life in Springfield. If you can go, go. I'm working out my schedule to try to try to make it up there. If you can protest and show them how many people in this state are pro-life, they are for these babies, and they're not just exclusively pro-life in the womb. Consistent pro-lifers are pro-life across the board. We believe in the value and the dignity of human life, believe that every single baby in that womb is an image bearer of God. Every little boy, every little girl in every single womb has the stamp of God's image on them. So we show up, we protest, offend people if need be. We don't want to be intentionally offensive, but the lives of these children who are being killed are valuable, and we want to fight for them. You can also remind people of the evil of it. Even though there is the suppression of the truth, the needle of the law precedes the threat of the gospel, Charles Spurgeon says. So we have to give the law. We lead with the law so people are broken in sin and they see it for as wicked as it possibly is. Not just the sin of abortion, but our own personal sin. And then the threat of the gospel comes and it binds up the wound that that the law made. The needle of the law precedes the threat of the gospel. And so we share articles, we share stories, we evangelize, we tell people, remind people of the evil of abortion. Number five, pay your taxes. Number five, pay your taxes. Even though this bill further brings our support, the money that we make, and pay taxes for in this state. It will further support abortion. I want you to consider that Rome did wicked things with their tax revenues as well. Rome, Caesar, advanced their empire through mass genocide at times. They enforced power on vulnerable people. And there was a group of religious leaders who came up to Jesus and asked him, should we pay taxes? There was a moral question behind their question as they were trying to get Jesus They asked him this, and it was difficult because there were those who were saying, if we pay these taxes to Rome, well, Rome's going to turn around and use these taxes in an evil and wicked way. And that's what we see in the state of Illinois. Not all that the state of Illinois does is wicked and evil, clearly. But with this particular thing, the tax revenues that that go into paying for health care are providing abortions. And so every dollar that we make, a portion of that dollar, we are forced to pay for these abortions. And it's awful. Well, how do we think rightly about it? Well, the same way Christians in Rome had to think about it, and those who were around Jesus when he said it in his day had to think about it. Matthew chapter 22, verse 18 to 22. So the question had just been asked, do we pay taxes to Caesar or not? Is it lawful? Verse 18, Jesus said, he was aware of their malice and said, why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him the denarius. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled, they left, and they went away. Those taxes went to vile purposes, many vile purposes. And yet Jesus said, Give Caesar that which is Caesar's, and God that which is God's. And then finally, I want to address what so often people say about abortion, and that is, it is equivalent to the Holocaust. And it is true that there have been millions on end abortions since Roe v. Wade in 1973. But here's one distinction that I want to make. With the Holocaust, this was government-enforced executions. It was enforced upon people. Jews were brought to, to these camps and then murdered. Abortion is the other way around. The state is not mandating that women get abortions. 
women are voluntarily walking to abortion clinics and getting abortions. This is personal. This is not the state mandating people to get abortions. This is real people in our lives who are faced with a crisis, people that we know. Many of these women who are going into abortion clinics know at least one Christian in their life. Many of them do. We have to open our eyes to the needs around us. And I want to appeal to you. These are real women walking into these abortion clinics to do this. And they have been duped and they are suppressing the truth themselves. And we need to love them and pray for them. And if they unfortunately go and murder their children, here's what they need to hear. There is grace for murderers. There is grace. They can find forgiveness. They They can find help in Christ. And I want us all to open our eyes to the personal reality of abortion. It is atrocious in any way you slice it. But the government is not mandating is not mandating the women of the state of Illinois to get abortions. They're opening it up for women to go voluntarily do this. And we need to love these women in such a way that we will adopt their babies. We will do anything that we can to help them and provide for them and give them money and security. and Anything that we can do to come alongside and help them raise these babies. Let's fight for the unborn. I'm pleading with you to fight with me. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit theshepherdscrook.co. For care and counsel, please call, text, or email to set up a session. You can follow The Shepherd's Crook on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And please consider sharing this episode and leaving a review on iTunes or whatever other podcast platform you use. And let me encourage you to remember Jesus Christ.